Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. When do we take control of our lives and our destiny? We're a small country, but we punch way above our weight. Like, I'm filming now at this stage, to be honest with you. I thought it was one of the hardest things to do. It was horrendous. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Do you know something? Over the next couple of weeks, if you want to go for a haircut or you want to do... You know, something you do on a fairly regular basis and coming up to Christmas, you, you tip the person. You know, if you get your hair cut or done or wherever you go or ladies, if you get your nails done for Christmas or whatever, you, you know, um, you let give someone a tip. In a cashless world, and we're increasingly cashless and I'm not a fan, it's hard to tip somebody. Fiona had an experience yesterday. She'll be telling us about it a bit later on. Also... Uh, I have a bank of Christmas ads here from years gone by. Great Christmas ads from years gone by. And if you give me the name of one, I might play it for you. We'll give you a few snatches, but if I get them nominated, I might play one for you. If you have a particular favourite, we might get to play it in full. We'll see where that goes. We're going to have some fun because it's Friday. Two weeks today, Christmas Day. But there's the thing, with two weeks out from Christmas Day, you've got to ask yourself the question, can people come home? Because new travel restrictions literally dropped in the middle of the night. And I mean it, like we didn't know, I didn't know about this. Uh, last evening and then all of a sudden it's it's in the early morning news feed a new rule regard to people coming in from the UK having to take antigen tests for five days now it's all to do with the spread of Omicron which let's face it is already here and spreading among us let us not kid ourselves in any way Adam Higgins a political correspondent of the Irish Sun this did drop late last night what's happening good morning Good morning, PJ. Yeah, this one came in just after 10 o'clock last night, uh, kind of left field from the government 
as regards new international travel advice specifically related to the spread of the Omicron variant. So there's obviously big concern in government about this variant and how it's going to spread over the Christmas, and when, especially when it comes to people coming home for Christmas to see their family. The big change now in all of this is that people travelling from Great Britain into Ireland over the next few weeks into next year will have to or will not have to but are strongly advised to take a daily antigen test for five consecutive days when they land in Ireland. Oh, so they're strongly advised. So there's no one going to keep a record yes, of so it. There's, no, no, this is, isn't going to be mandatory. There's not going to be any legal law enforcement on this or anything like that. It's just strong advice from the government. It's not a. It's not really a, a restriction or a, a legal requirement. It's just strong advice if you're travelling that this is what you should do. Which means you know and I know, Adam, an awful lot of people will just ignore it. But if people were to take it seriously, sure, half the world coming home to Ireland comes through the UK. So if I'm coming home for Christmas from Singapore and I fly through Heathrow or Gatwick, does this apply to me? I'm sure it would, yes. And I think another thing to um, to point out with this is that in the UK at the moment, people who live in the UK, uh, including Irish people who live there, can avail a free antigen test. So no doubt people will be stocking up on these tests before they come home for Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I mean, I thought it was a rule, but it's not. It's, it's a recommendation. Fair enough. Uh, Adam, there is a new opinion poll out this morning um, that is focusing on Sinn Féin they're surging ahead if there was a, I was talking to Paddy Prendeville from the Phoenix magazine uh, a few days ago and he said that these three uh, wings of the coalition Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the Greens they will cling to each other for dear life and nothing will force an election over the next 12 months because of the rise of Sinn Féin uh, would that be your view given the opinion poll out this morning? It would and I'd completely agree with him I think that's something that we've seen for a uh since this government has got into power, everybody in the last general election was shocked at how well Sinn Féin did. And had they ran more candidates in the last election, they would have won a lot more seats. And that pop- that popularity has not waned over the past year or two since this de- last general election. And if anything, it's getting stronger. The latest poll from the Irish Times today showing that they're at 35% when the likes of Fianna Gael is at 20 and Fianna Fáil is also at 20. So Sinn Féin very far ahead of the other parties uh, in in this government and it's looking likely that that popularity is going to stay unless Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil can do something to turn that around and I think really what you're looking at here is those two parties have been in government in some form for since the foundation of the state and a lot of the same problems that people have seen over the past 10 years are still there we're still talking about housing we're still talking about issues with the health system which has been highlighted because of the pandemic and I think people really want to give someone else a try because those two parties have proved that they aren't up to the challenge. Mm. As we come to the end of of a year, Adam, and of of a political year, could anything split them up, do you think, throughout 2022? Because by this time next year, it is this time next year, um, Micheál Martin is back in the Taoiseach's office. That's right, back at Leo Vradker is back in the the Taoiseach's office this time next year, you're right. And I think you will see some measures that the government will take to try and, you know, claw back some support, maybe from Sinn Féin and from other areas as well, people undecided voters, that sort of thing. One measure that was uh, in, uh, revealed in um, by our colleagues in the Irish Examiner today is that it's looking like at the next cabinet meeting next week, a €100 Euro, um, credit will be given yes. to people in January to 
tackle their energy bills. So that's something that I think you've seen. Sinn Féin have raised this rising cost of living time and time again in the past few weeks. And I think the government are acknowledging that this is a big problem and they're trying to win people back here with that. Trying to put, I think that the, the the deal is put a hundred quid credit on every family's bill, uh, regardless of of who you are, or, or yeah, that the finance minister is looking at. Adam, it's been great to talk to you frequently throughout the year, and if we don't talk again before Christmas, have a good one. Take some time off and and get a rest. Um, but uh, look after yourself and stay safe. And thank you. Thank you very much, Peter. Cheers. That's Adam Higgins, political correspondent of the Irish Sun. Uh, that opinion poll this morning, pretty much after what Paddy Prendival said to me earlier in the week with regard to the coalition, they will cling to each other like super glue uh, throughout 2022 to avoid uh, a snap election on the back of those particular opinion poll findings. So this antigen test thing is not a rule. It's a recommendation. So they want you, if you come in through the UK, into Ireland, from now on, you have to, or they want you, to take five antigen tests over the next number of days to find out whether you are, and of course, if you test positive, then you get a PCR and the whole kit and caboodle. Realistically, without making it a regulation, is anybody going to do that? Because if it's not regulated, you have to buy the antigen tests. You don't get them for free. Will anybody actually do it? And as for that credit note or this credit thing, it's on the examiner this morning. Uh, every household will have a hundred euro knocked off the first bill next year. It'll cover the first two months of 22 and it'll be deducted in March. So my reading of it is that when the bill drops in, in March, there'll be a hundred quid knocked off it credit wise, which is a great idea how they're going to make it work. I hope it won't be, I hope it won't be this crack that they tried to do to get us to support Irish business. Do you remember that racket where we were supposed to take pictures of receipts and upload them into our phone and make a tax return over the period of your staycation? You put in the receipts and then you made a tax return. You get a couple of bob back. I hope it won't be as clunky as that when it comes. Thank you. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Just last night on television. Uh, the Taoiseach was on Virgin Media Tonight Show talking about those travel guidelines literally just after they had dropped. Here's what he had to say. Well, we're going to follow, by and large, generally the European Union approach. But that said, we are saying to people coming in from Great Britain, for example, that you should now take five uh, consecutive uh, tests of antigen uh, the five days after you arrive back an antigen test every day. Um, and that you should exercise a very high degree of caution when you are travelling, that your vaccination status is important. If you have the opportunity to get the booster before you travel, you should uh, take it before you travel, uh, and to adopt uh, a very cautious um, approach. Which, absolutely, one would endorse. Be as careful as you possibly can coming home for Christmas. But the idea that you would set a guideline for five daily antigen tests and make it a guideline and have no notion of how they're going to enforce it, it let's call a spade a spade here 
it ain't going to happen. I like to think it would happen. I like to think people would do it. I would do it if I were coming home for Christmas and I realised that that was the guideline. Would I do it? Yes, I would. Absolutely, I would. But not everybody will. Can you clarify, do I need a PCR coming in from England and going over for a weekend next week? If you're fully vaccinated, I don't know whether you do. I think you may do need a fully a full PCR coming in from England if you're over there. I think you do. I think act on the on the premise that you do. You need a PCR coming back in from England, as far as I know, at this stage. Thanks for that. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Right, Kevin. How long are they fixing your water? Good morning, or trying to. Good morning. Morning, PJ. Uh, this is day 101 of works outside our front house. Where are you living? Uh, so I'll give you an idea. The ter- we're out in Beaumont Drive here, uh, out in Ballon Temple, um, between Ballon Temple and Black Rock Garden Club, people might know it. So um, this is this is just uh, the main trunk of the road. Uh, we've been told that all the side roads now are going to be done over the next number of months. But this work was supposed to be was started on the 31st of August of this year. And according to Irish Waters' website, which still hasn't been updated, it was due to be finished by the end of October. Now, what are we? December the 10th? Yeah. And there's absolutely no sign of, I can tell you now, PJ, there is no sign of it finishing. And what are they doing? Well, they're, uh, on, according to the website, they are reducing leakage in the mains. Now, we were told that they're replacing the mains water pipe that was going up and down the road. Unfortunately, the original crew that were here hit gas and also managed to hit uh, water. So, um, unfortunately, that meant there was a, a crack crew apparently brought in by the contractors that Irish Water are using um, and they've been here longer than the original crowd um, we had one of the engineers call to us and tell us that he was coming down from Athlone, some are coming down from Mayo I presume they're being put up so I don't know what the situation is but they're, they've been here longer than the original crowd and we've been told on two separate occasions we, we will not be outside your house again, this is it tonight's the last night and a couple of weeks later, they've they've dug up the same patch of road. So um, you might be able to hear it in the background. How many times have they dug up the same patch of road? Five times we've counted it. Five times, us and our neighbours. The same piece of road has been dug up and refilled in five times. <sighs> so, um, so I mean, I mean, look, PJ, I'm no construction engineering expert, but normally when you when you dig up a road, you aim to fill it in the first time and let that be that. Yeah, um, you know, and sure, if something goes wrong, if something goes wrong, you take it up a second time and you put it right, and but five times is a bit, to say the least. As, exactly, as, and and you know, I think PJ the real issue that we have here is that none of that's being communicated. Like they could rock up outside our house at any point at seven a.m. They're allowed to work from seven a.m. to seven p.m. So we could have the sound of a console, which we often have going through tarmac at seven a.m. in the morning. But no communication, no heads up to say we'll be blocking in your house. Do you know they have? Oh, do you not get a note in the door? No. Say, no note in the door. No, no note in the door. I think we received um, written correspondence by Irish Water before work started, but uh, they've closed Rose Green Avenue, which is across the way from us. That's closed at the moment. Nobody in the area had any idea that that road was going to be closed. That's obviously uh, a fairly important route to get into Beaumont National School, which would have two girls and a boys' schools. So people, kids that are coming in are being forced to walk through uh, the, the park now, which has been destroyed by the machinery that's been driving over it. And there just doesn't seem to be any idea as to when this will end and indeed, like, what's, what's the consequences for the contractors that have, that have fouled this up. And, and, and lastly, what's the quality of your drinking water like? 
Well, it's definitely disimproved in the last number of uh, days, particularly. Um, we didn't actually notice a huge amount of difference initially, um, but in the last week or so, it's it's like we've been using bottled water for tea. We've been using bottled water for drinking. You know, you just like it's it doesn't look the right color. It doesn't taste quite right, and you just wouldn't trust it. I mean, uh, like PJ, I, I obviously uh, your listeners. We probably don't know, but I, I work professionally in a very similar field as yourself, and I've covered the story of Enniscorthy and the drinking water there. And again, that was an issue with contractors not getting it right. And it comes back on the councils. And I suppose, like my ultimate question to Irish Water is: having spent whatever 100 million euro, 180 million euros taxpayers' money, 500 million euros putting down water meters, why do we have a, an organisation that doesn't have any control over the groundwork that's being done? And you know, it, it, I don't see what Irish Water's purpose is. I mean, if this was in the council's hands, you know, there's no, like, the Enniscorthy issue, for example, where people might know where people were were, were, were drinking contaminated water, the Wexford County Council, I was told by a number of councillors, had that issue on their plans to be sorted well before that, that ever became an issue. But when Irish Water came in, the UV system that they were going, that Wexford County Council were going yeah. to bring in, Irish Water scrapped. So... Yeah, it's, there are stories up and down the country like this and up around the city as well. Alan, uh, Kevin, I hope it gets back in some shape or form for you before Christmas. That's Kevin Galvin. He's down in uh, Black Rock at the moment. 101 days with digging going on outside his door. Five times the same bit of pavement has been dug up. We've asked Irish Water for a statement. Let me know when, when Kenneth is there, Fee, and we'll go to him. And yeah, if someone gives you a present of soccer match tickets to go to see your favourite club in the UK, maybe they should give you five antigen tests as well. I won't be going over now, even though I'd love to see Messi. Yeah. Of course people can come home for Christmas. It's only advice. It is only advice. That's the truth, John. It is only advice. Uh, and that's my point. What's the point of it if it's not regulated if you don't have to do it what's the point of it because Omicron is spreading like wildfire in fact I'll be talking to Dr David Nabarro at the World Health Organization uh, live from Geneva shortly about Omicron and what we now know but what we know is it's spreading like wildfire here can I go to Kenneth I can Councillor Kenneth Collins another water problem this is Redemption Road good morning Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. What happened up there? I, did I see. I saw video yesterday. It was uh, it was not good. No, I suppose. Look, there was a burst pipe yesterday. Um, it, it affected uh, residents and the school and the businesses in the area. Um, I what happened then this morning is that the principal contacted me to, to say that there was no water in the building of the school. So what it was was Irish water failed, and I'll say it this way: failed to turn on ta- uh, valves. Um, and given the result that we had to cancel, I'm on the board of management of the school, just to let you know that. Um, we had to cancel school again today because of health and safety, because of water going through taps, would being dirty for three or four hours after mm. a burst. Um, and health and safety again, you know, this is. So, the, so that the means that Pacers has been closed all week then? All week, yeah, yeah. Basically, yeah, two for uh, Storm Barra and a burst pipe yesterday. They were in and they had to, we had to shut down the school. And uh, early this morning, we had to send a message out to the parents and guardians to say, you know, unfortunately, there, there was no water in the building. We're only, a, we're only a tenant in the building, so we don't have control of all the systems in there, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the kids have had no school this week, two days off because of sort, sort of Storm Barra and now this. And they're not related, are they, Ken, by any means? 
No, you no, know? I, I, I believe there was a, there was a, a construction um, site being cleaned up next door. You know, after after the the house has been built, and I believe that by accident a, a, a pipe was hit. You know. Okay, come here. Well, I have you on the opinion poll out this morning. I'd say you'd be sweating for an election, would you, loved one? <laughs> they couldn't. I suppose. Look, people are fed up. People are fed up with the government at the moment, you yeah. know. And they want change. They wanted change last time. Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael went into government just to keep us out. Um, it's inevitable that it's going to happen. Um, we, we will be in government, and we will prove to yeah. the country how good we are. I guess time will tell that one, won't it? Councillor Kenneth Collins, thank you of uh, Sinn Féin. We've asked Irish Water for two statements, one on the one in Black Rock and the other on the situation in Redemption Road. Thanks for that. Hi PJ, do you think they're sneaking in the water meters? Crikey, I didn't even think of that particular conspiracy theory. <laughs> but you never know. You don't know that, do you? Can we just talk the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996 On Cork's 96FM. Right, we're off on our travels again. Whatever about people travelling into Ireland needing PCRs or antigen of a few messages coming in about that. We're on our travels to a place called Frankston, which is in Australia. And the mayor of Frankston is Mayor Nathan Conroy. Mayor Conroy, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. How does it feel to be addressed as Mayor Conroy of Frankston, Australia, where I led from Ballandary Park in Mayfield? This is a great story, Nathan. Yeah, look, um, now I'm getting used to it. Um, for the last couple of years, I've been called deputy mayor, and now I'm the mayor. So it's a gradual progression, but it still blows my mind, PJ, that uh, a little old guy from, from Mayfield is now the mayor of a, of a, of a quite a big city in Melbourne. Let's get this story. When You grew up in Cork, uh, Mel, in um, Mayfield. When did you move to Australia? Yeah, look... I want to clarify something first. So in the article with the Echo, they said I was born um, and raised in Ballandurry Park. Um, I wasn't. I was born, yes, in my grandparents in Ballandurry, but I was born and raised really in Allenley Grove. Okay. I know it's only about 30 uh, metres over. Oh, it's important. Oh, it's important. It is, Nathan. It is. Look, because I had a, the most amazing childhood, PJ, at Allenley Grove, you know, from morning till night, we were outside, we were having fun. Um, it's a very different story now with the kids nowadays, but um, I just wanted to clarify that before we go uh, any any further. But what was your question? I, <laughs> I forgot what you said. When, when did you move to Australia? I moved to Australia in 2012. So um, I, I moved the 31st of January, 2012. Did a bit of travelling around Thailand, a bit of travelling around Australia and then settled in, in, in Melbourne. And was it the plan, Nathan, to just try it out, do a bit of travelling, maybe go there for a while and come back? Or was it intended to be long-term? Look, I, I, I can't say long-term, but uh, when I left, I, I was 19 when I left. When I left, I wasn't coming back for two years. So regardless of if it was successful or I, I hated Australia or whatever it was, um, I wasn't coming back. 
And it kind of was up to me then to kind of, you know, before I left, I had that attitude. So I had to make it work. Um, and I obviously worked hard, did farming for, for three or four months, you know, got my extension from the second year. And then I was lucky enough, as I say, she was my green card and my now wife. Um, I met her at the end of the second year. So it was very convenient for me. And then obviously, um, because I had someone here, um, I, I wasn't coming home then. Gotcha. How did the interest in politics come about? Like, had you been interested in politics growing up in Cork, for example? I wouldn't say growing up, um, but uh, but I think, you know, when we were in school, well, I went to Mayfield Community School, and when I was going to, so like they say, 2006, 2007, we were under the impression that houses were going to be a million euro. You know, the wages were nowhere near it. It was going to be impossible. Then 2008, um, everything went up in smoke. So I, there was no job opportunities, no uni opportunities, or university opportunities. You had people around you, you know, losing their jobs and everything else that comes with that. So when the election came up, um, uh, I was kind of, that was 20, 2011. I was just determined that Fianna Fáil didn't, didn't get re-elected. Uh, and then when, when Fianna Gael did get uh, elected in 2011, uh, that sparked my interest. Uh, and then ever since, I've been keen um, political follower, mm. be it Ireland, Australia, the UK with with Boris Johnson or even America with with whatever goes on over there. <laughs> yeah. So you decided to try it out for yourself in Frankston. Tell, tell me about Frankston because uh, it's not a place I've, I've heard of. Yeah. Look, it's about uh, 30 minutes just outside of Melbourne. Um, it's on it's on the it's on the beach. It's on the um, the waterfront. It is beautiful. I can't I can't complain about Frankston itself. A lot of work needs to be done, and that's the reason I put up my hand. But it's very similar. Like no matter where you go in the world, you're going to have the same issues. Um, you know, the same Mayfield issues. I, I would say, you know, Ar- Mayfield would have one of the highest suicide rates in Ireland. Frankston has the same. We have drug dependency issues um, and substance issues in Mayfield. Frankston has the same. Unemployment is higher in Mayfield. It's the same here. So we're very, very similar. The only difference is, PJ, that I have a beach next to me and a bit of bit, bit of warmer weather. Yeah, like tell me about it. We're here and it's three degrees now. It's a nice bright morning. It's three or four degrees. What's it like in Frankston today? Well, I'm standing up my, outside of my back, at my backyard. I'm watching the sun go down. Beautiful, maybe, I don't know. 15, 20 degrees. Mm. Just, it's just it is beautiful. I'm not going to go out about it because I'm not going to gloat about it. But it is, it is beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and is is being involved in politics uh, over there? It, like you say, the the issues are very much like the issues at home. Uh, we don't know a whole pile about Australian politics. I guess it's been it's been very lively with the pandemic, Nathan. It was, and I was very heavily involved, and you know, I would know everything that was going on in Irish politics as well as Australian. But when COVID hit, you know, I had to tune out. It was just too much going on all over the world. Um, I kind of knuckled down and focused on where I live. And, and, and to be honest, one of the reasons I ran was because we were in the middle of a pandemic, uh, you know, and I, I thought I could give something back to the place where I live now in my community. Um, it, it, it politics everywhere is, is very similar at the moment and regardless of your beliefs uh, we, we just need to get through it and I hope I hope this new variant is not going to be a detriment to us and that it's going to be just similar to the rest but um, we're on high alert over here 
Mm. Uh, because so far we've been relatively successful with our COVID cases and our debt rate, but we are Melbourne is the longest lockdown city in the world, which is which is not good. Yeah, yeah. How often do you get home to to Cork, Nathan? Well, to be honest, I was I was only back in 2019, and I I, I arrived here in January 2020, so just before everything went into lockdown. And I actually was there for I think five or six months right. so I was only supposed to be there for the summer and then I said look it's the last time I'm ever going to be home you know for this amount of time and I, and I stayed on for Christmas mm-hmm. and there was a by-election actually there was a by-election happening in Cork North Central and I took advantage of that and kind of helped out um, at the by-election as well okay. but normally every two years um, PJ and then my mother I can't get rid of my mother she owns um, Martina's Play School in Glamwire Oh. Um, but so when she ha- she's able to get you know over, she comes over ho- hopefully every every second year, and then I come over the alternative years. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, listen, it is great to catch up with you. We're we're very proud to have a Corkman as mayor of a city in Australia. Good luck to you. Good luck. Is it Steffi? Is your wife's name? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Good luck. And have you are are there little Conroys? No, we only got married on Friday, so... Oh, so, crikey! Um, I, I'm not a machine, PJ. Um, <laughs> she, she wants me to be, but uh, <laughs> I'm trying my best. But hopefully in nine or ten months' time, there will be. <laughs> you only got married on Friday. Oh, congratulations to Mayor Conroy, Mayor, and to Steffi. Mayor Conroy, Nathan Conroy of the uh, city of Frankston, uh, near Melbourne, in Australia, from Mayfield. It's, we're all over the world. We're running the show, you know all over the world. Um, he's been a guest on the show a number of times uh, throughout uh, 2021 and has always been extremely helpful uh, with us in understanding where the uh, COVID-19 pandemic was going. I'm joined once again from his office of the World Health Organization by their special envoy on Dr. COVID, on, on, on COVID-19, Dr. David Nabarro. Dr. Nabarro, good morning once again and good to be good with morning. you. Good morning, good morning. Thank you for your patience. Here it's really tipping it down with snow and uh, in general uh, things are not working quite so well. Okay. It's a super heavy snowstorm, that's why. Thank you. you. Thank you very much. What yeah. we what we know is what we're trying to focus on, Dr. Barra, because this is yeah, all moving so quickly. So we, we yeah. now seem to think Omicron could turn out to be milder, but it is spreading furiously, which could have caused, of course, cause huge problems for health services. Like that's what yeah. we're watching, I think, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah. So everybody, the virus that causes COVID-19 has this extraordinary ability to change itself as it is moving through human populations. And that's done through what we call mutations in the virus. And if there are a, a, a particular cluster of mutations that appear, then it's called a variant. And COVID-19 is capable of forming new variants. We know several of them. Uh, You've probably heard of Delta, which is a particularly ferocious variant. And now we have Omicron. Omicron is more easily transmitted than the other variants. But the reason why people have been worrying about it quite a lot is that it also seems to have some ability to, to get past the protection that we've all got from vaccination. 
And once that happens, it does mean that, that things get difficult again. And so that's what everybody's concerned about. And if it's a milder disease, but still spreading more easily, uh, then that could actually be a good thing for humanity. And we're watching to see whether it's going to be a lot milder or whether it's just slightly milder. If it's only slightly milder, then we'll still see quite a lot of trouble for people who are in the older age groups. And that's why a lot of the work will be on what we need to do to continue to protect people in my kind of age range mm. above 70. Some of the early data uh, on Omicron is is promising, but when can we expect to have the answers we need to make concrete, to to know for sure uh, what's going on? Like, when will that research be ready? Will it be January, say, Doctor? Yeah, it's a case, really, of getting superb quality information from places where the variant is spreading and then working out how many people are infected by one individual and whether or not those people have been vaccinated, how long ago they were vaccinated, and then tracking to see what happens to them. Uh, The difficulty is that you need to have quite well-organised units to do this work and um, you need people to have the spare time to do this work. The only point I'd say to everybody listening is that right now in health services everywhere in the world, People are quite stretched, and I I sometimes uh, like to remind folk that we've been at this now for nearly two years, so it'll take a bit longer. And I do think January is a reasonable time to say, Fergal, uh, later this month, there's all sorts of things going to get in the way. So I'd say we should know pretty clearly by January. Till then, we have to actually, I think, Uh, exhibit uh, an abundance of precaution Mm. and just be continuing to be careful as we go around uh, around our homes seeing our families and the rest not too many close contacts and don't forget those masks yeah and on those masks and and on filtration do you believe dr barrow we should be using things like the kn95 and should we be putting things like the hepa filters into schools (laughs) Sorry. First thing, let's just talk about masks. Uh, Most of my colleagues who've been studying these reckon that a simple surgical mask, the kind that your dentist wears when you go to get your teeth done or that the the people in the medical surgery wear if they're doing a procedure on you, they have three layers inside them and provided you pinch the little um, metal strip that's inside the mask, you pinch it over the bridge of your nose so that it's well-fitting. This is reckoned to give a 50% reduction in uh, the risk of transmission uh, when it's properly used. Uh, I'm pretty keen that people uh, use at least the surgical mask. If they want to go to a slightly more sophisticated mask, what's called the N95, That's okay, but I'd much rather just say everybody at least use a surgical mask. What this means is two things. One, the cloth masks that we were using at the beginning are probably generally not good enough uh, for for regular use. And number two, you absolutely should not be wearing a mask 
stuck under your nose so that you're still breathing out of your nose with no protection. That's not much use. And I, I'm to go, just going to say, if you're wearing a mask, wear it properly. Mm. It makes such a lot of difference. With yeah. regards to HEPA filters, should we be looking at putting them into yes. our schools? So in the, in the work that's coming out of, of different groups, there is the following things that really matter. One, wearing a mask so that the, breathe, the air that you breathe out doesn't immediately go in front of somebody else and they breathe it in. Physical distancing so that you're less likely to breathe the air of others. Uh, hygiene, because sometimes virus can build up on surfaces and also you don't want to cough over people just in case you might be carrying it. And then fourthly, ventilation. And we do believe that improved ventilation in confined spaces is key. And that's why uh, improving the filtration in ventilation systems may be helpful. Plus also picking up where ventilation is not adequate using carbon dioxide monitors. This is something that each country is working out how it wants to do it. But the the fundamental um, principle that I have is this. Confined spaces with lots of people close in them, like, for example, the, the bunks in a ship or inside an institution where you've got a lot of people crammed together, those are the places where transmission is quite quite likely to happen and those the ones that you need to watch out for. Mm. The discovery of Omicron was due to marvellous work by scientists in, in Africa and, and the rest yep. of the world learned from that. What can we learn? What can governments around the world learn from the wonderful work of the scientists in, say, Botswana who discovered this? Well, firstly, everybody... Good science is being done everywhere. And there are some places around the world which might appear to be relatively low-income places when looked at in terms of how people live, but still where there is absolutely brilliant, diligent, conscientious science being undertaken. And the groups who did the work in Botswana and South Africa and indeed Zimbabwe are some of the very best in the world. And I think... Everybody remember, this is a global pandemic. It's not a pandemic just of Ireland or of United Kingdom or United States. It's global. And honestly, we're so closely linked together in our world, and we, that's how it should be, that we, we need to work as one. So I'm really hoping that quickly, quickly in 2022, this world and the leaders will just start to look at each other and say, yeah. It would be so much better if we worked together. That means then that you don't get groups of countries suddenly deciding without warning to stop flights coming from the country that gave us all the information about Omicron and so on. You don't take sudden decisions. You work together with other leaders and you reach the decisions jointly. That's the fair way to do it. That's the just way to do it. And that's the way we would we should be working together if we are uh, members of the human race dealing with a threat and wanting to find a solution to it. Let's respect everybody and not treat people uh, as though they're somehow less valuable because they come from a country different from ours. That's not the right way to do a pandemic. Okay. It has been a pleasure and a privilege to have you a guest on our programme a number of times during the year. And we thank you for that. And we'll 
no doubt speak again in 2022. Dr. David Nabarro, Special Envoy of the WHO for COVID-19. Thank you for being with us on the Opinion Line. Thank you very much, for Thank you to everybody. Bye. That's Dr. David Nabar speaking to me from Geneva. The, the signal, not the best. It's Fergal who, who deals with Mr. Nabarro's, Dr. Nabarro's people, so he sometimes thinks he's talking to Fergal. That's how it is. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. I was saying there at the top of the programme this morning about, you know, over the next couple of weeks, you'll, you'll do things for the last time before Christmas. You'll go and see people for the last time before Christmas, like even a coffee shop you might go into regularly or, you know, for, for men, the barber, you know, and you, you'd like to give them a tip for Christmas for looking after you uh, throughout the year. And it's, it's kind of difficult. And Fiona, you came across this yesterday. You wanted to tip a hairdresser and you realised, hang on a second, times have changed a lot. Yeah, PJ. I mean, I don't carry cash anymore because I just have, um, I don't even have my wallet half the time. I just use the phone now for everything. Yeah. And um, yesterday I was looking at my colleagues here in work and they all had lovely hair and I realised that I hadn't made an appointment. So um, I rang the hairdresser in the hope that I'd get a last minute appointment, which I did yesterday evening. And I didn't have time to think about, you know, going to get cash to tip. And when I went to pay, I just said to the girl to put the money uh, for her tip on included in the bill. And she said that they couldn't do it there. So I couldn't give her anything. I literally had nothing in my wallet. Didn't have even like a euro coin. So I had to give her nothing. And I felt so bad. I felt so guilty about it. Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. I'll have to go back in again and give her something. But I just thought that, you know, people are so busy now at Christmas time. And we're all racing around the place. And, you know, the last thing we're probably thinking of now is to go and, and get money out. If we're going to go to the hairdresser or to the beauty salon or wherever it is that you're going to go. And, uh, you know, people are probably missing out on their tips at a time when they really, really need it. So if people just are making an appointment to go somewhere, just, you know, maybe you have a few coins in your wallet with you when you're going in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I use my, I use a card. I use the phone sometimes, but I find, you know what the other one was the phone? Like, you're, you're, you're shopping with a mask, right? Yeah. So you're trying to use, I pulled a flipping mask down so the phone recognises your face yeah. <laughs> that's in itself is an ordeal but I use the card all the time but like that now in the story like the last time you go see the barber or something before Christmas you mm. want to throw it here that's for yourself or whatever mm. um, and you can't do it through the through the card because it all goes into the till, all goes mm. into the account. But and I think, you know, when you're going to a restaurant, I think yes. a lot of places will allow you to put the tip on or, you know, if you're with a group of people, surely somebody will have a couple of coins. Yeah. But when you're going in for something like that, um, do you know, it is kind of um, important to, to remember to have it. But the thing about the restaurant, and this is the one I've always had a, a bugbear about this, like we were out, myself and, and the Queen Bee, were out last Saturday night in, in the East Village, we had a lovely bite of grub. And um, afterwards, I... I've Paying the best, have we have we money for a tip? Now, look, we have it. She she had some cash in in her her pocket, but like you're saying, right? I'm not carrying cash. I don't like sticking a tip mm. on the bill at the end because you're not guaranteed that the lovely young person who's been serving you and made your evening by being so nice 
Well, they're not, not going to use, they may not get it. When I was in college, I was working in a restaurant. Now, this is many, many years ago and it's not in Cork, but um, I was working in a restaurant and they had a service charge that people had to pay at the end when they were paying their bill. And obviously the customers thought that that was going to the waiting staff and it didn't come near our pockets. <laughs> it went to the manager of the of the restaurant yeah. and we were relying on the tips that people gave us, but your people weren't tipping us because mm. they thought that they had already done that. No, no, I, I, I tip, I like to tip the person who served it's a, it's a reminder to people, I'd say, Fiona, mm-hmm. thanks, to, to have some cash in the pocket or in the wallet, even if it's in the arse pocket of your jeans, have a couple of bob for little tips, uh, even if you are paying with cash. And remember, if you can, even if you can put a tip through the bill, that person that's been so nice to you and made your day, they don't necessarily get that. Bit of cash. Carry a bit of cash for the next couple of weeks. And again, this comes all the way back to, at the very start of this whole pandemic, we were told, oh, cash is so dangerous. Cash was never dangerous. In fact, the World Health Organization said more than once, cash is not dangerous. Once your hands are sanitized, and now we know it's an airborne virus, so once your hands are sanitized, once the countertop is clean, cash, there's no problem with cash. There's no problem with cash. 1850-715-996. Speaking of cash, or rather, speaking of money, one of the most expensive things Ireland is more it's most expensive for many things. At the moment, we saw the highest energy prices in Europe. But it's also a very, very expensive place for fertility treatment, and in particular for IVF. And there's a movement on at the moment to reduce the cost of, of IVF. Um, should it be state-funded, for example, in the NHS in the, in the UK, you get a certain number of certain number of cycles. It's it's not state funded here. Some insurance companies do it, some don't. Mary McAuliffe is Head of Clinical Services at the Waterstone Clinic. Morning Mary. Good morning PJ. There is a a movement growing now in the EU to get some kind of state support for people who, who want to try IVF or other fertility services. I think you'd all support that. Absolutely. You know, it's, I suppose, something that needs to be talked about more openly, which is happening very much at the moment. And I suppose our own government announced in 2019 that they would support people, um, you know, struggling to have their their family and have their babies uh, by means of giving support towards IVF treatment. And that was planned to be introduced for 2021. Um, And as we know, I suppose it hasn't happened. Um, And when you look at us in relation to other European countries, most other European countries have support for IVF and ICSI treatments. Um, and we, I think, are uh, alone with uh, Lithuania in countries that don't actually support IVF for people that are having that struggle to build their family. I suppose the other part of that is we get some support through means of the drugs repayment scheme. So everybody in Ireland is entitled to a DPS card and through that um, the cost of their medications in any given month of a calendar year is mm. is capped at um, you know just over 120 euros. So any medications beyond that it is covered by um, the government through our taxes and so on. But everybody is entitled to that part to funding, which in other parts of Europe isn't funded. So there is partial funding, but just not enough there to support mm. people that are struggling. Because um, it is an expensive process to get started at, isn't it? It is an expensive process. And, and if you're a couple, you know, while there are many, many, you know, 
I, you know, for a moment, I suppose I, I don't want to say that people that are struggling to have their baby require IVF. Many times people need simpler treatments and it's very much specific to, you know, how long they've been trying and, you know, what is what's slowing them down. If we can find what's slowing them down, we can target that. And sometimes simpler treatments like ovulation induction or IUI can assist and they're far more competitively priced. But the technology and the science that's involved in IVF um, is at a much higher level and the cost things are much higher related to that and support is definitely needed because it excludes a whole plethora of people that you know for many it might be you know not going on holidays for a number of years for another couple it may be you know getting some financial support of of, of family members and for others it may just mean that they never have that opportunity to build their family or have their baby mm. um, yeah. so you know access can be very difficult there's a there's a an EU atlas of fertility treatment policies. We don't fare well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We we don't fare well in 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 that the support, the governmental support just isn't there and even though the World Health Organization um, a number of years ago recognised um, subfertility or infertility um, it categorised it as an illness or a disease therefore um, you know in the same way that we look at things like um, care around, you know, cardiac services or asthma services, that this needs to be looked at in that way. And, you know, there is small supports at some um, some hospitals, uh, you know, regional hospitals. There is a support through fertility assessment and uh, maybe the, the frontline, you know, start off service like uh, ovulation induction um, or IUI may be available through some of those hospitals. Mm. But that in itself isn't even nationwide as yet um, so it is very very challenging it would be lovely to see I suppose you know greater leaps forward in assisting people and it would be lovely to see that this assistance would come in a way of that it would come directly to the patient themselves yeah. to support whatever journey that they're making yeah. it is, um, as a side issue Mary what, what is covered under insurance here is, is much of it covered under insurance it very much varies from insurer. So there's no black and white about it. Um, so some insurers cover a once-off €1,000 towards fertility, either investigations or treatments. And once you've used up that fund, unless it's you know a surgical intervention related to fertility, would be covered under your insurance. But perhaps like for treatment and investigations within fertility clinics, you know, it would be capped at €1,000. Other insurance companies have, you know, relationships with particular um, clinics where people can get some reductions off of specific treatments um, as they go through care. But there is nothing, you know, I suppose it would be lovely if everybody could access treatment and care mm. to a certain level and know what support they were getting straight up to make those decisions. Okay, all right. Listen, maybe things will change. Hopefully they will. Mary McAuliffe, a fertility specialist and head of clinical services at the Waterstone Clinic. Thank you for being with us on the opinion line, Mary. We, we, we are almost bottom of the table in terms of support, state support, government support for fertility treatment that highlights uh, the European report highlighting it of late. Last night was the night we sent our Panto winners to the Everyman 
And indeed, uh, we sent them to dinner first as well. Trish wants to thank all at 96FM for a wonderful evening. The meal at Thompson's was delicious. I can honestly say I have a pain from smiling and laughing at the panto. It was the best I've seen in years. And Deirdre says, thanks very much to all the team at 96. Me and my kids had a great night last night and a lovely meal. It's also a fantastic show. I know Pierce from the newsroom was there with his grandson, and uh, they had a very, very good evening. I might chat with Pierce in a minute. He was like a child himself going around this morning talking about how wonderful the show was. So we might bring him in for a couple of minutes to, to tell us about it. Uh, because I think it is a show you have to see this Christmas. And they've done so much work. And so have Eileen and crew over at the Opera House. But uh, Sophie and the people at the Everyman have done everything in their power to work with the new restrictions over the Christmas season for the uh, Panto, which is great to see. 1850 Some more stuff coming in on going over and back to the UK. The advice is... If you're coming out of Britain today, okay, as of now, and there's people who listen to us over there, so you might have somebody coming over this weekend or tomorrow, whatever. You're, you, it, the advice is to get a PCR test. It's an advice as opposed to a hard and fast rule. If you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you just go to Boots and get an antigen test. The antigen test costs about 30 quid. My son is fully vaccinated. He was in England last weekend, had to have the test done in boots before he came back. The airlines checked it all, cost him around 30 pounds sterling. Can we just talk? The opinion line on Corks 96 FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Quartz 96 FM. Still getting some of your suggestions with regard to the best Christmas ads ever. The ones that are more popular, I tried to play them in the last hour. Bit of, bit of love for this one. It's come up actually on social in the last few days that they don't use this anymore. That was cute. That was a nice one, Penny. Super Value had an absolute stormer last year. Do you remember that one they did last year? 
Mom, is he still coming this year? Of course he is. Yeah, and then they went and they did, they actually beat it this year. You know, I mean, what are the best Christmas ads? We're trying to find your favourites. The one that's coming up a lot, a lot of people really, really love. Santa will bring them what they want, I said. This is from me. We might play our most popular one towards the end of the show. The Santa calls are still ongoing, of course, here at Cork's 96FM on the Casey and Ross in the morning. For your chance to get a call from Santa, you can go to 96FM.ie right now, and there's a form there. You can fill it out. The Santa calls are with McCarthy's Interiors and Gift Shop, Douglas and Balancholic Shopping Centres. Call now for festive bedding, gifts and decor and see McCarthy's.ie. And stay listening, because we could be calling you on Cork's 96FM. There are career changes, and there are career changes. We had Nathan... Lord Mayor of Frankston, who went over farming, and now he is the Mayor of Frankston. And Neil O'Brien worked in a bank for over 20 years and then decided he needed a change. So he founded a whole career for himself as a motivational speaker, advisor and life coach. Now talk about a change, Neil O'Brien. Good morning to you. (laughs) Good morning, PJ. Yeah, I sometimes wonder was it a good idea, but uh, <laughs> here we are now, and it's I'm having, yeah, it's great. I'm having a blast. No regrets, at least. Let's put it that way. So your website is timetofly.ie. What does that mean? Yes. Well, that's really, I guess, relates to a couple of things. Firstly, it's about kind of helping myself and other people take off a little bit and not feel quite so stuck, you know. So that's that's the first thing. And the second thing then was about my daughter when she was four, she climbed onto the armchair beside me. She clutched a feather in her hand and she jumped off. She landed on the floor, of course, about half a second later, but she stood up and said the feather definitely made a difference, you know. <laughs> so it's... Uh, I love that kind of curiosity and innocence. And sometimes we can spend too much time getting ready to make a change, whereas sometimes you just have to have a go, you know. Do you think that our self-motivation has taken a hammering during the pandemic? Oh, completely. It's... um, it's it's been really tough because it may be in the in the second half of the pandemic, you know, where we started to get things lifted and we thought, oh, great, this is, you know, we're getting close to the end of the tunnel now. And then we got shoved back in again. So there's been that kind of to and froing between resilience and recovery and fantastic. We're coming back to something a bit more like life again and then and then shoved back. So. Motivation is really difficult for now. I, I would think you describe me as a motivational speaker. I actually think that's a little bit of a misnomer in some respects. I, I think people are motivated. I'm thinking that we're, I think we're just we're motivated to just get through the day these yeah. days. You know, I think that's I think that that's fantastic. But but also it's worth noting that motivation it's a mood. It, it, it's not a person. You know, there's no such thing as a motivated person. So so our mood of motivation will come and go in any normal week. Some days we feel fantastic. And like that afternoon, we can feel like we've lost it all. And then maybe it can come back again. So, so it's been really hard. It, we, we've been shoved back and forth. Just when we thought we were glimpsing something, we, we had to kind of start again. So that's tough, and that alters our moods then. Um, and that that's, like, perfectly normal. If people have felt 
you know, kind of stuck and there's no hope of what do I do next. That's perfectly normal, yeah. Do you know what's happened a lot too, I think, Neil, is that there's a kind of a, a we've, we, we, we coined a phrase on the programme here, a flat day. There's been a lot mm. of very flat days when you kind of say, oh God, will this yes. day ever be over? And you're almost afraid yeah. to get excited about the ordinary little things in life. Like people are almost afraid to get excited sure. about Christmas. They're almost afraid to get excited about the summer holiday they're very hopefully booked for next year. They're almost afraid to get excited. That's hard on your mental well-being. Yeah, of course. And I mean, one of the great things about the human condition that we all need, I guess, is something to look forward to, you know. So that would be, typically that would be holidays, bank holiday weekends, Christmas, stuff like that. And and like all of that uh, in the future is, is so uncertain now. As you've said, I'm almost afraid to to kind of look forward to something because my heart would be broken again, you know, and, and a word that has appeared now uh, lately is languishing. And that that's a word that's kind of described. That's all about this kind of stagnation, joyless, aimless, like muddling through the day, looking at life through a foggy windscreen. That, that's kind of what, what it's so, so it's not it's, it's like halfway between maybe uh, depression and flourishing is this whole it's, that's a lovely term, flat day. I would describe it as almost like an endless grey day. Like it's, it's not, it's not horrendous and it's not fantastic, but it's mm. this whole kind of bit in the middle that seems to have no end. Mm. You know? It's like I, I described it here one morning, and it was a particularly beautiful spring morning, and I'd kind of stood in the kitchen that morning. And I'd been thinking about numbers and I'd been thinking about restrictions and thinking mm. about, and I just sat looking out at my garden at half six in the morning thinking, Christ, is this, is this all there is now? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was grand again by lunchtime. <laughs> but that's well, that feeling. That's the mood. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the mood bit. And what's really tough for people then is that, those moments of low mood start stringing together, yes. you know, and then before you know it, you can have a low day or a low week. And that that's the bit that we really have to just keep an eye on, perhaps, mm. and be a little bit aware about ourselves. So um, so how important then, Neil, are tiny wins? And take another, another phrase we coined here on the Opinion Line during the pandemic, taking joy from the smallest of things, a sunrise. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I think that's... Um, I think that's that's one of a number of tools we have. So that's the first thing is just hold on a second. Let's just have a cup of tea, stop for a moment, and let's just have a look around and see, can we find even something? Or, uh, so it could be a sunrise. It could be just a song on the radio. It could be a football result. You know, could, anything like that are, are what I would refer to. They're all mood-altering substances. You know, there are little moments where... We can just either be grateful for, look, things maybe aren't quite so bad, or we can just use it to give ourselves just a little dart in the arm, you know, for the moment. So so I think where you go with this, so, so is so firstly, what we've talked about so far, is just, I just want to, you know, reassure people that this is all, this is normal stuff. Yeah. Nobody's doing anything wrong and nobody is, is, you know, being hopeless here. That's the first thing. The second thing then is, well, can we just maybe just structure our mood a little bit. And of course, that is possible, you know. So while mood is emotional and it comes and goes really quickly, 
it is it is likely that you can trigger a mood though so so we, we can certainly do that and um, i mean I, i've worked with elite sports people and honestly like before a match they've no confidence after a match sometimes they've no confidence even when they win but 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 leading up to the kickoff or the throw-in they've learned to do stuff you know that just might trigger a mood that they'll get 70 minutes or 90 minutes out of or whatever you know so i think i think it is possible though that we can we can learn to trigger these moods a little bit more often mm. maybe is is there a secret to motivate yourself that if you're feeling a little bit flat is there a secret to sort of pick yourself up again I, i'm sure we have it all within ourselves we might just forget how to do it exactly Exactly. I mean, that you, you've just summed up the entire coaching industry right there, which is, you know, uh, clients are very often say, you know, the coach just reminds me of stuff that I already know, but but maybe reminded me of the 10% that I need to know at the moment. You know, so that, that's that's my industry summed up right there. So there is, uh, there are four core daily areas of activity uh, that requires a tiny amount of habit, a tiny amount of discipline, perhaps. But these then, these then trigger what's known as dopamine. And dopamine, very quickly, is just a feel-good motivation chemical in our brain. And dopamine is available to us all the time. So the four areas that um, I uh, encourage my clients to look at, like for next week. So we want to encourage some listeners now for next week to get beyond this kind of languishing phase. The four areas of daily activity are move, eat, rest, and believe it or not, tidy or being a bit more organized. Now, they all have equal uh, value in terms of dopamine. They, they all help us to feel a little bit more motivated if we make tiny micro changes to those four areas next week. So that was move or exercise, uh, eat and nutrition, rest and sleep. I'd probably say that's maybe the most important one of the four, mm. perhaps. And then tidy and being a bit more organized. So that, that often surprises people. But but I know people who, if they're going to make a nice a meal in the evening time, they tidy the kitchen first, you know. Or I know somebody who, if they have to have a, a difficult conversation with their boss, they tidy their desk first. And what that actually does is that actually makes you feel a bit better about yourself, makes you feel a bit stronger. Yeah. And then you're ready to make the dinner or have a, have a, a difficult conversation. You, you just know? explained something to me. Neil, that I've been wondering about. I said it to my listeners a couple of times. We, um, we have mm. a, a big kitchen at the back of the house, and it's kind of where we do most of our living. It's a kitchen come, living come, dining room area. And it doesn't, it doesn't matter yeah. if it's two o'clock in the morning. I mu- it's almost like a thing. I must clean that kitchen, and I must wipe down those yeah. worktops with warm, soapy water yeah. before I go to bed. I, I don't know why it is, but even in the last 18 <laughs> months, it's become almost an obsession with me. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why that is, but yeah. I get a pleasure out of it. Yeah, great. No, I would say what's happening there is that I think it's there is something about if we tidy up our external world, our external environment, if we put order on that, well, then that helps us to put order on our thinking, you know, so that, that allows you to go to bed a bit more relaxed then. Because you've you've sorted out a bit of chaos there, so you've sorted out the chaos. You put order on things. Oh, that's much better. I feel much better now. Now I'm ready to go to bed. It also is kind of, I think a sleep expert would probably tell us that's also an important ritual as well for you. You know, there's a ritual thing. I mean, and Nadal, the tennis player, he he he's massive rituals that he does beside the court. He does everything yeah. the same way all the time. But that helps him to get into 
game mode. So he does it whether he's winning or losing. He does it whether he's, you know, he, he does these rituals anyway, because that just helps him to get into a particular mind. So you're preparing for bed in a way by just putting order on your world for a few minutes. You, you can then relax. How important is it, Ashley, so, Neil? How important is it for us all to take a moment in the day to just breathe? Well, that's the best one of all. I mean, that's that, that, that it's still after thousands of years um, taking a moment to just breathe and breathe with our belly, you know, not with our shoulders. So just that, that lower breath um, where our belly button moves in and out. It, believe it or not, despite all the technology and all the advances in well-being and mindfulness, that's still the best one. You, you just cannot beat an extra breath is how I would describe it. Uh, yeah. And I would take that next week. If, if, if our listeners remember that, to do that a couple of times each day next week, that still is mood altering. Mm. Well, move, eat, rest, tidy, rest and, and breathe. Tidy. Exactly. Right. Breathe while you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but take that couple <laughs> of minutes to just sit down and do nothing else but breathe. Exactly. Just remember, and look at what we're doing here. We're not trying to do anything impressive. We're not trying to impress anybody with any of this. Uh, but that's because this is so basic that, that if you do that often enough, it becomes really impressive later. It becomes like if you, if you said to that somebody, just just breathe. Some people might be, oh, really? Is that, is that it? Is that the best? Goal? Just do it every morning at nine o'clock on the dot for the next five days and then tell me uh, the effect it had. And the effect it has is advanced. It's genius. It, does, it doesn't sound impressive, but it's actually doing it every day becomes genius then. All right. Pleasure to talk to you. Uh, Timetofly.ie is Neil O'Brien's website. He also does a one-man show, which we might get to see at some stage soon, and he's written a book and all these things. Uh, Neil O'Brien, thanks for being with us on the Opinion Line. He's got that kind of voice you could listen to that actually relaxes you anyway, doesn't he? Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833969696 On Cork's 96FM. I can remember very well when I spoke individually for the first time to both James Leonard and Timmy Long the two Norries, spoke to them each individually on the programme. And then the podcast started and uh, I spoke to them each individually at some point. I don't think I've ever spoken to the two lads together, so that's a first. Also, the podcast is going on tour and I'm looking at the dates already penciled in. They'll be in Dublin on the 8th of January with Father Peter McVerry as their guests. Uh, They'll be in Waterford on the 14th of January with their guests Morris and Dan Shanahan. And they'll be in the Opera House on the 12th of February with their guest Pat Falvey. And they're both with me this morning, James uh, and, and, uh, and, and Timmy. Lads, good morning. Congratulations on the success of it. It has just gone bananas. Thanks a million, PJ. Yeah, uh, we're getting a bit of momentum now, thank God. And it just means that we can uh, reach more people. And look, thanks for having us on again. You know, you've been uh, very kind to us since day one. And we're still waiting for it to come on, so we might do that 2022. I would absolutely be honoured to do it. I would love to I would love to do it. When you just, like, take me back to where the idea came from. 
So in, in uh, January 2020, before the lockdowns and the pandemic, which seems like a long time. But um, I was on the Tommy Tiernan show, you might remember that. Yeah. In my story. And I asked huge amount of requests on people looking for help and support. So, um, and a lot of media requests. So I was talking to Timmy about it. He was saying, why don't we start our own podcast? And that way we can reach all those people who are actually meeting them individually. So that's kind of how it started. Mm. And it's it's gone very advanced now. You've the best of gear, the best of setups. It, it really is. A, and you were signed up by Acast, which is one of the biggest platforms in the world. That's right. And podcasting has become a huge at the moment uh, in Ireland as well. And, you know, not everybody gets signed by ACAS, so that was a huge uh, endorsement on us. And, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we rent an office space down in the Marina Commercial Park, mm. um, and it was a kind of a shell of a room, but, you know, people donate to us through the Patreon platform, yeah. and any money we've got through grants, we've reinvested into it, so now we have a lovely fifth-purpose studio. Fantastic. Timmy, come in there a second for me. Who's your, been your favourite, or have there been guests that particularly uh, inspired you and impressed you during the, the year? There's something wrong, I think, with Timmy's connection. James, you want to take that yeah. question for me? Has there been anyone who particularly impressed you? Well, if I don't say my wife, PJ, I'll be in big trouble later on. So I had had my wife, Gillian Butler, on the podcast. But I suppose it was great to have her on because female perspective, you know, like there's people like myself and Timmy who had a lot of males on, but to have a female on, especially female from a traveller background, to come through the difficulties and then to go on to university and stuff, also then have like um, somebody like Dr. Gabo Mate, who's like a world-renowned expert in trauma and addiction. I remember you tweeting that you'd got Dr. Nassi. I said, yeah. what the heck? How, tell me how that came about. Did you just ask? Genuinely just went down to his website and asked, you know, do you fill out a form? But in the email, I put like, he, you can imagine the amount of requests somebody like him gets, you know, to do international conferences and stuff. But I just said, look, when you're speaking at all those conferences, you're speaking to the, you're preaching to the converted and people have read your books and been to your seminars. But a lot of our audience have never heard of you. But they could do a hearing yeah. They could do a hearing yeah, explain how their past experiences may have impacted their life outcomes. You know, so he was very humble to do it. Yeah. That was interesting actually that you should say to him, look, a lot of a lot of our audience would never have heard of you. Some people might might take a bruise to their ego for that, but in fact it enthused him. He said, Here's a new audience for me too. Exactly. Like like PJ, imagine like yourself, like the the opportunity to get new listeners to your show, you're gonna take it. You know what I mean? Like it's great to have loyal listeners and loyal followers, but you always want to expand and have your ideas and your, your talent and your creation heard yeah. and seen by more and more people. Timmy, I'll try and bring you in there. Um, I don't know how it's going to work. That connection isn't the best. Have you any particular guest, Timmy, that you'd really love to get on the show? I'd love to get Eckhart Tolle on at some stage. Who did you say, sorry, He's, mate? Um, Eckhart Tolle. Okay. Eckhart Tolle. He's the author of the Power Now book. Right. And he'd definitely be a guest that I think a lot of people would be able to get a lot of good information from and, and a little bit of understanding around life mm. and awareness, you know. Um, does that make sense? It does. It does. I mean, like, again, these are people that I suppose two years ago neither of you would have thought about talking to. But now you ask... 
and 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 they say yes, and those are huge moments. Talk to me about the the show, guys. Where did the ideas come? From, the idea come for the show. So we started getting invites from venues um, in 2021 there, but a lot of them were cancelled. But we did two live shows with the Everyman and a little before there That's in right. August, yeah. and uh, they went really well and they sold out really quickly. And then we did a, an indoor show in the Stoneverna um, Royal Hotel, and that went great. And then we kind of got a bit of momentum. So we signed then with um, an agency called Evolve. And uh, to, we've got a managers now, like, and they really help us. So they help us get the ACAS deals, and they're just trying. See, we felt we ran to something, and we had a lot of momentum, but we were looking for a bit of direction, and not really sure because this is all new to us, PJ. But now we have a bit of support from the goals, so um, lots of doors open and all. Yeah. But the, the the show is going to be like the podcast where you have lots of emotions, sadness, happiness, laughter, tears of joy, and everything. But it's going to be like a whole production around that as well with sound, lighting and just the great atmosphere in general. Yeah. Come back a couple of years with you both. Um, and we've, you've, we've, we've talked to you both about your, your individual struggles. I'll start with you, James. When, when your life was on the floor, did you ever imagine these days? No, PJ, and at the moment, I'm in the middle of buying a house, you know, so I'm doing a, we're doing a live tour, I'm in the middle of buying a home, I started a new job, a team leader position, I've things going on for me now that eight years ago when I was homeless, you know, and using intravenously, like so much has happened for me within eight years, and you know, life can get so busy that you forget where you've come from, but every now and then I just kind of take stock and it just fills you with gratitude, PJ, and you take that for granted, you know. And is there a message in that, James, that it can be done? Is that what you try to say? It can be done? Well, I would, I would say I tried and failed a lot of times. Yes. I've been to many different counsellors and treatment centres, key, key workers, prison officers, and all these people that tried to help me. I always failed, but I always tried again, and eventually I got it. You know, So if people are listening and they're struggling and they think that they can't get it, if you keep trying, eventually, you know, the, law, the penny will drop eventually. Same to you, Timmy. Like when you were in your darkest days, did you ever have a vision like this that this would be happening for you? No, um, I had no, absolutely no idea of what was ahead of me. But all I started to do at the beginning was just do the, the next right thing, you know. Look at my behaviours that that were getting me into bother. And once I was off the alcohol and drugs, I started to get outside help and start seeing a psychologist and then psychotherapist and things started to make sense to me then a little bit. You know, I started looking at my, my life of addiction and my, my past, you know, growing up as a child and, and it all started to make sense why I was the person I was in, in, in my adult life, you know. Um but I had no I'd no I'd no belief that I could have went on and achieved some of the things I have at the moment. Like I've an honors degree in construction management. I went back and finished my carpentry and joinery qualification after 20 years. You know, I started it when I was 15. Um, I'm, I have my own business at the moment and I'm married and and people want to be around me today as was before I was just out of control and <laughs> I was very difficult to be around because I was 100 miles an hour. But today it's different. You know, I have a, I have a good life. But it's just it's just going back to doing the right thing, PJ. If you're doing the right thing and you have to change all those behaviours from the past, 
you know, the good things that are happening to people. But it's all, it's very important. I never wanted anything from life other than a bit of peace inside my head because I was in complete hell. I was in hell, you know. I wanted to save my life. I just couldn't understand why I was, I, I was feeling the way I did. But I kept working on myself. Meditation played a massive part of my recovery process. Mm. And today it's still a massive part of my life. And it just it just keeps getting better and better and better. There's there's no end to, to recovery. You know, you, you'll always be feeling better about yourself, finding out more stuff about yourself. And and it's a journey. It's it's there's nothing at the end of it. There's no start point. There's a start point, but there's no end point. You just keep going, keep going, and growing, and and it's all about just becoming a better human being and yeah. and, and living and and just doing the best you can. Really, you know. That sums it up, James. Lastly, with you, there's a there's probably somebody listening to us this morning, or a loved one of somebody who's in a horrible, horrible place. And have you any, in one minute, some little bit, something that you've learned in getting to where you are now that you might impart to a, a person who's in a, in a spot or as a loved one who's in a spot that you'd share with us? Um, it's not so easy to give the perfect piece of advice or have the perfect nuggets. But what I would say is that people have the capacity to change and not to give up on people. Um, like my family was waiting for the knock on the door from the priest and the guard to know what James has been found. That was what they were waiting for. Um, but I turned it around and I know a lot of other people that turned around. And if people need help with drugs and alcohol, um, you can they can contact yourself, PJ, and you can give them my phone number. Um, and we also work with um, family members, not just those who use drugs and alcohol. And okay. if they're not drugs and alcohol related, I can link them in with the relevant services and signposts and stuff. Okay. You know? So there's help out there and just to seek it out. Okay, listen, James and Timmy, uh, congratulations to you both on everything you continue to achieve. The tour is called Changing the Conversation uh, and we will talk again, I've no doubt, in the new year. You're in in Dublin, Waterford and Cork Opera House with more dates and more guests to be added. Always great to have you on the programme and it would be a privilege to join you on the podcast in the new year. So you know where I am. Brilliant. And the ball, PJ. Thanks, guys. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. A statement from Irish Water with regard to Redemption Road. Councillor Collins was on with us earlier this morning. Uh, crews were mobilised yesterday morning around 11 o'clock following a burst water main on Redemption Road. Repair works were carried out. Supply was restored. Investigations are ongoing this morning regarding a further possible outage. Irish Water understands the inconvenience when a burst occurs and appreciates customers' patience while we carry out any repairs to restore normal supply. The Irish Water Customer Care Helpline is open 24-7 on 1-800-278-278. Customers can contact us on Twitter at IWCare with any queries. And you can also visit the Water Supply Update section of water.ie so they say they repaired the first fault and then there was a second one on the cost of gas and electric bills and they're gone through the roof it's it's just it is scary really 
how much they've gone up. I was doing a bit of jiggery-pokery with uh, our own bills at home on, on bonkers.ie and I don't mind telling you, a little bit of work and you can actually save some money moving stuff around and if you have the bills to hand, you can you can get deals. But just noticing the way the bills are going up. Um, Carla says it's a disgrace what's happening. She suffers from hypothermia, so the heating must stay on all day and all night. She's only on a state pension, so won't be able to afford the hike in bills. And again, that question comes in. Just wondering about the €100 Euro electricity bill next year, the thing from the government that's on the examiner this morning. Will it, how will it work if you're on a level pay bill? where you pay the same amount every month and then after three or six months your usage and bills are examined and a new level pay is agreed. Thanks for that. It is a €100 Euro credit off your first bill of the year. So I don't think it actually matters what scheme you're on, whether you pay as you go or whether you, as you, whether you pay the fixed rate, that fixed pay bill. Yeah, or whether you pay through it website like mybills.ie which which we do. I don't think it actually matters. I think your first bill how they're doing it, I don't know. That'll probably all have to be explained, but how they're going to do it I don't know, but they're going to give €100 Euro credit off the first ESB bill or electricity bill of 2022. That is how we think it's going to work at this stage. Only time will tell. It's something. I was just saying I just hope that it won't be one of these ones like the Remember, we went to the restaurant and you took a picture of the... That died an awful death because it was this crazy system. It didn't work at all. Let's hope that this will be a better one. 1850-715-996. Remember, it's two weeks out today. Two weeks Christmas Eve, two weeks today. And thousands of you getting together to help to fight homelessness with Cork Simon by wearing your Christmas jumper to raise those vital funds. And of course, Cork's 96FM getting together once again to ask you to host the Christmas Jumper Day wherever you feel safest in doing so. You can do it in the office if you're in the office. Of course, so many people are working from home now. Again, you could do it a hybrid with those in the office and those at home. Do it on Teams or whatever way you contact each other at work. Do it online with your friends. Have a big Zoom with people overseas. Just just do it. Just have some fun with it. Get a fundraising pack at CorkSimon.ie and join Cork's 96 FM to help fight homelessness in Cork. Speaking of two weeks to Christmas, two weeks to Christmas Eve, it is around the time this would be one of the Fridays and tomorrow would be one of the Saturdays where we'd be having loads and loads of office parties. And for a second year on the trot, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. People are going to have small dinner gatherings and they're going to get together for a pint or two after work, do it in their own safe, COVID-compliant way. But we do miss the parties. And just wondering, you know, where, how people are doing parties this year. How are they being... How are you dealing with the alternative having to have a party? I thought we might talk to some people who know a bit about partying. Um, one of them being uh, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson. I'm delighted to say that uh, through a lot of uh, moving and toing and froing and pulling of strings in the, in the back rooms of the opinion line, I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line from 10 Downing Street by Boris Johnson. Prime Minister, thanks for being with us. Are you having a party this year? Well, 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 well first of all, PJ, it's an absolute honour to be on Cork 
96 FM and what a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful ipso facto chumba wamba station it is. And I can see you, you know, out through the window. I flew into the Metropole this morning on my chopper <laughs> and I can see you and I know that today you will be having a few cheeses and a few wines and a few gorgonzolas. But I will not be there, PJ, because as you know, I do not party with 96FM or any institution whatsoever. And I would like to keep you at an arm's length, PJ. Although, if I could, I would hug you at some stage. And I would love to do that, PJ. But unfortunately, we can't be together. So what I would say to you, PJ, is stay at home but go to the party tonight in 96. The party that isn't on, of course, Prime Minister. I wonder if we checked in with Oris and Is there a party on there? Well, yes, there is a party on here, but there's nobody bloody well allowed to come to the party. There's a party every night in my house with what's-her-face, Sabina, Sabina, or whatever that she calls herself these days. But, I mean, yes, I mean, there's a party. I'd love there to be a party, but... You don't know when you can plan for things uh, nowadays, you know. I mean, I hear that they're doing um, uh, 50% at the pantos and at the shows, PJ Cogan. Uh, what does that mean for the pantos, who are doing show two shows a day already? Does that mean they will now have to do four shows a day and start the panto at half past five in the bloody morning <laughs> and second panto at nine? Nobody will, will be listening to your radio show, PJ, because they'll all be at a bloody panto! Maybe you should ask so the Taoiseach for advice, President. Uh, well, well, obviously, I, I cannot uh, give or take advice uh, at this stage, um, but I can advise a method uh, at the best of time not to talk and not to say anything going forward. So, PJ, I wouldn't like you to lead uh, me in any direction, because if you uh, lead me down a certain road, uh, I might end up uh, saying something which could be construed as advice. And that's the last thing we want, PJ, to be honest with you. Who is supposed the to advise last- us then, Taoiseach? Is it Paul Reid? Who's to advise us? Uh, no, I, I just like to say, you know, PJ, have you had your, uh, have you had a double job yet? The triple? You've had a triple? Jesus. i got a few uh, Moderna and AstraZeneca in the boot with a card if you'd like a, I'd like an extra job, you know? i got 50 quid for another job of that. Do you want a booster, do you? Do you want a booster? I'll get you a bleeding booster. Yeah. Shut your mouth, right? Get the booster into you and just stay underneath the duvet, right? There's only one man capable of all this difficult. Mario Rosenstock, great to have you back on the opinion line. PJ, you put me under a lot of pressure doing that. <laughs> You're coming to the Opera House. I'm coming to the Opera House and it's in April, uh, PJ, God willing. And um, I'm doing five straight nights. Um, five in a row, something that Cork hasn't seen in a long time. Oh, um, stop now. Oh, no. Five in a row, and uh, uh, I'm doing that in April uh, 2022, middle of April. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I understand because my um, my representative told me that the Saturday is sold out, but uh, Thursday and Friday and Tuesday and Wednesday, there's still a few tickets knocking about. And I'd love to see um, my old uh, friends from my old alma mater in Cork, because as you may or not, may not know, PJ, I went to school in Cork. Did you? And, Where'd you go to school? Yeah. I went to school in Ashton. And um, and I went to the boarding school in uh, Rochelle House, which is now subsequently demolished. But uh, I also went to school at a, that kind of important period in our life, um, PJ, when there are things sprouting from our face that we don't know what they are, and there are there are there, there, <laughs> there are hormones flying around in areas we don't know, and we have sort of new, newly found interests in 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 females with long 
blonde hair and all this sort of stuff. And we're hearing records on the radio and the records mean slightly different things to us than they used to. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's a very special place for me and, and represents a very special time in my life. And I suppose that's why I, I, I have a kind of a grow for it. I've kind of worked, I've tried to figure out, I've tried to wonder what is it about Cork that seems to get what I do? And I've tried to make all sorts of excuses. People go, yeah, would you do the Roy Keane and all this sort of stuff? Um, and it can't be just Roy Keane. Or you do the Ronan O'Gara as well. Like, Well, it's not just the Ronan O'Gara. It's, I think it's the fact that Cork is a very political town mm. as well. And that loves the piss take. I don't think there's any, there's, I don't think there's any town in Ireland that loves taking the piss so much as Cork people do um, out of each other. And you're you're right of, there. And they probably see me as a vehicle or a conduit to, to, to do something like that. Um, but I must say that they're all already expert at it themselves. But that's the thing. We do it with each other all the time. So when someone comes yeah. and takes the piss out of us, you have to be careful, don't you? There, you? There's a line you don't cross and you have to know that line. I don't know. I don't know the line myself, PJ. I think you have to... I know I don't know the line with Cork people because I think you just have to trust that they'll go with you. Yeah. Um, because whenever I come down to Cork to do, like, these things or the shows, um, I, I meet, like, a taxi driver, and his name is... It's Will Downing, right? And he gives me five minutes of material, um, which is rock-solid comic material every time I get into the car, um, usually concerning his weights, his weights lifting, his weightlifting in his local gym and stuff. And he'll give me the gossip from around Cork. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, Cork people have just a naturally funny bone. Well, we we enjoy we enjoy having you anytime we can we can meet you, and I, I trust the opera house will will sell up very very fast. Yeah, um, have you consulted um, with the aforementioned Roy Keane for permission to come to his his native land again? <laughs> I was thinking about him the other day. What would you've um, of everybody staying at home the other day from Cork yeah. uh, or from school? And he said, like, "Rain, rain." And you're staying at home. There's a drop of rain outside. And you're not sending the kids to school anymore. A bit of wind. For God's sake. The place is a shambles at the end of the day. PJ, would you do something? Use, you, you know, I don't hear you moaning about it on the radio. You're into work. Night, noon and morning. Slate, snowflakes. You know, hail, rain, snowballs. Snowballs. You know, coming out of the sky won't stop you. But the kids, no, no, it's not good enough. We have to keep them at home, don't we? It's a disgrace. <sighs> Roy Keane, Vario Rosenstock and a cast of hundreds. We'll see you in April. Thanks for being with us. Thank you very much, PJ. <laughs> a legend is Mario Rosenstock. 12th to 16th of April at uh, the Opera House. Some tickets still available. Yeah, just... Uh, now, I thought this was already... Oh, it's second show. Dara O'Brien. So, where are we? Live at the Marquee, June 23rd. That's a great announcement. Dara O'Brien, live at the Marquee, June 23rd. Tickets on sale Monday at 10 through Ticketmaster.ie. And I believe Ticketmaster has been bursting at the seams this morning over Olivia Rodriguez. They could have sold about five nights of her at the Marquee. Um, that went on sale, I think, this morning. A Ticketmaster creaking to keep up with the demand for Olivia Rodriguez. I think she's playing, she is playing the Marquee, not sure of the date, and she's playing Dublin as well. That'd be, a, uh, if we can get a second night out of her, and if there's a second night spare at the Marquee, I think they'd sell a second night of Olivia Rodriguez as well. We have got, let's just hope against hope that all this damn flipping 
Omicron blows over because we've got some wonderful, wonderful gigs coming up in the summer of 2022. On the two Norries, what's the name of the podcast? Are they on Spotify, says Paul? It's called the two Norries podcast and it's distributed through Acast, uh, which means it's probably on any particular podcast platform you choose to use, Apple or Google or Spotify or wherever you want to go. I, I assume it is. Thanks, Paul, for that. And my own podcast, by the way, just in case people are asking, because one or two did, I paused it until the new year because this is the 20 minutes with, because it's just a crazy time of the year on and off the air. So uh, I gave it a bit of a break because back early in the new year with some more interesting guests to talk to. Uh, oh, yeah, we can, we will, we will make sure that happens. I'd be so grateful to get James's phone number. My son's been in four treatment centers. He's very sad and lonely. It breaks my heart to see him like this. It gave me hope when I listened to the lads this morning. I saw James on Tommy Tiernan and I admire him so much. Thank you. We'll we'll make that happen. We'll we'll put you in touch with James and with Timmy because they're working as well as all the public stuff they do, they're working miracles behind the scenes with a lot of people. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. Two weeks to go. Two weeks today is Christmas Eve. Two weeks tomorrow is the big day. There'll be more Christmas trees put up this weekend than in any other weekend of the year. The big a Christmas tree in the front room of Castle Coogan will be going up this weekend. Uh, there's two already up, three actually. We took well, we took one out. We took the one out the garden back down to avoid it ending up in the next parish because of Barra. But that must go back up this weekend, and we've two. Up. Anyway, how do you keep that Christmas tree fresh? If you're using a real tree, how do you keep it fresh? and healthy and green with that lovely Christmassy smell out of it for as long as you can get out of it. Maureen has been finding out... It's all down to the heat of your room. If you're going to cook, if you're going to cook the tree, it's not going to it's not going to stay fresh as you'd like to have it. You can put it into water, and you can do a lot of other other things like that. But the main trick is to keep it away from the radiator, and to keep it away from if there's a very hot window or something like that that you won't have it where it gets too scorched. If it's kept at a, a normal temperature, the tree will last you for four, five, six, seven weeks. Patrick Lehan of Castle Treasure Christmas Trees with some handy advice for anyone who has a real Christmas tree. Patrick says that they started planting trees 12 years ago and they sell them from the yard of the family farm. He says that people are fond of a full Christmas tree. Uh, one lady complained that she lost her glasses inside the tree and she couldn't find them until after Christmas because the tree was too full but um, I suppose you can't deal with all problems. We have a great selection of very full trees because I think that's just what the consumer wants so we have to put a lot of work into the trees particularly in July. The tree does all, practically all of its growing in about six weeks so we have to control how the tree grows and that it doesn't turn out to be an open tree or, or it, that it is the proper shape. So that's why we have to put a lot of work in during the summer when nobody's thinking about Christmas. A new survey by Kilkenny Design has revealed that more than half of respondents had their tree up by the end of the first week in December. A further 21% have it up since December 8th, with over 70% opting for an artificial tree. I often compare putting up a, Christmas, putting up a plastic Christmas tree as to giving a plastic bouquet on Valentine's Day. And I <laughs> Richie Kidney of Orendor Landscaping is selling real Christmas trees at the Mardike Market this year. Richie explains when Christmas starts for them. It all started for us a couple of months ago. We actually went out and we spent we spent most of the day selecting the trees. And so what the process is, you go, you pick them, you tag them, the lads cut them two or three days before delivery. They're in, we get them, they're straight into a bucket of water, preserve them, 
and um, they'll stay in the water with us until until they're sold and we're doing stands um, with little buckets underneath so you can keep keep the old tree hydrated through the season. Richie says it's lovely to see the Christmas spirit around the market. It's just a good wow factor it just you know gives off good endorphins straight off the bat and you're just in a good mood straight away so all we need now is just to get rid of a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's great. The, the two weeks out, it's the time to get the tree up in pretty much every house uh, this weekend. A uh, lot of fun in that. Love that. And put on a bit of Christmas. Put on Cork's 96th in the background tomorrow afternoon and uh, Sunday afternoon. And I'll accompany you through the afternoon as you put the tree up. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Rose was on to say the East Cork traditional Christmas jumper diddly diddly band. Christmas Jumper Day is at Middleton Farmer's Market tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Thank you for that, Rose. 1850-715-996. Now putting the Christmas tunes on the radio and watching Christmas movies on the telly is kind of what we'll be doing for the next couple of weeks. Uh, The argument comes up every year, what are the best Christmas movies, what are the classics is there ever a new one that actually ticks a box there is a new movie made is it a made by Netflix for Christmas, Denise Curtin Denise Curtin of Stella Magazine joins me again on the, on, on the programme is this one made for Netflix for the Christmas as, a, as, a, as a, new, a new movie good morning Denise morning, it is, it's a, it's a Netflix original and it's the first of its kind which we always love to see because you know I feel like sometimes there's only so much you can do with a Christmas movie so it's absolutely fantastic to see a new Christmas movie of its kind from Netflix, um, especially because it, it's nice to see a massive streaming service coming behind um, mm. such an incredible movie. Um, and it's just such a feel-good rom-com. It's the first of its kind. It's a, it's a gay Christmas movie, for those who don't know. And it's called Single All The Way. And it's just, oh, it's just fantastic. Have you seen it, yeah? I have seen it. I've watched it twice at this stage. <laughs> really? And is it, has it got, does it yeah. take all the usual boxes, like, yeah? I mean, it's got the incredibly cheesy acting. Um, it gives you definitely those like Hallmark Christmas vibes. I mean, you know what a Christmas movie, you can't expect too much in terms of like a gripping storyline. You kind yeah. of always know the way that they're going to head. Uh, but it, it, it just provides all of that. When you've got the box of Quality Street in front of you, you can sit down, you can enjoy it. You can maybe, you know, talk to someone, come back to it, not miss out on the plot or anything that's happening. But it's it's feel good and it's wholesome. And it's fantastic to see, you know, representation on screen, to see diversity to see all the things that were missing Um, I I actually laughed I read one headline and it said single all the way cast is giving gays the holiday rom-com they need and I was like you know what that sums it up perfectly cool cool and of course Netflix don't spare the horses in terms of production as well so I I look forward to watching that Um, single all the way now in any poll of Christmas movies Love Actually will be very close to the top. I have to, and I, I guess it's probably, is is it a girl thing, Denise? I don't get Love Actually. <laughs> I've tried. You know I've, what, God not, knows not. I've tried. 
<laughs> you know, you're not the only one on that boat. You know, there's many people. I think what happened with Love Actually is it became so overhyped that people who, you know, turned to watch it maybe in the latter years were like, this is crap. I don't understand the attraction. But I think it's one of those movies that when you watch so many times, you start to get kind of addicted to loving the kind of familiarity of it almost yeah. because you watch it so many times. So the, the bits yeah, that make you cringe are the bits you end up loving, you know? Yeah, totally. I think that's kind of the same with all Christmas movies, but it came out in 2003, so it's actually been out quite a while now. But uh, mm-hmm. anytime Netflix put it back on the streaming service, people go gaga for it. It's like they've never seen it before, but I yeah. don't know, it's just, it's just the magic of it. It is. I mean, it's it's funny and, and it's cool and all those kind of things. I, it's, it's, the, the holiday is another one. I've tried. Uh, the, the holiday leaves me cold. I hate to say it because it's such a lovely, well-put-together movie. Um, but it's, it's, again, it's massively popular. Oh, my God. I can't believe that you're saying that about The Holiday. I can understand your your kind of disdain for love, actually. But The Holiday is the best. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's my favourite. I'm obsessed with See, I'm one of these people that, that says that, 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 that uh, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. So, you know. Yeah, PJ, I was just going to ask, what is your favourite Christmas movie? I need to know now. Oh, it would, I think it would probably be one of the really old ones, like the black and white version of Miracle on 34th Street. That would be a cracker. Or I, I, I think one of the Home Alones. I can watch oh, okay. Home Alone. Well, the Home Alones are iconic as well. As well. You know, I know <laughs> Disney tried to reimagine one of the Home Alones there uh, this year. It's not going down as well as the originals. But that's the thing, you know, people love people love an OG movie. It's very, very hard to try and remake something that's a classic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the classic Home Alones with um, Macaulay Culkin, they're just, yeah. they're iconic. And, and the, the scenes in the, in the old house where he's throwing all sorts of grief at the two lads. I, I, I've, I've seen it a hundred times and still cracks me up. It still cracks me yeah, up. Yeah, I think I think that's the great with, you know, a Christmas movie that lands well, is that it will always bring you back to the time of Christmas. So when you're watching it, you think of Christmases that are gone by. You think of, you know, the kind of excitement of having all your family around, your friends, your loved ones, eating lots of sweets, eating great Christmas dinner. It kind of like... It brings in the atmosphere of Christmas and it hones it into a movie. So I think that's the great thing about about Christmas movies. Mm. They don't even have to be ex- like you know ecstatic in what they're bringing you, no. but they just give you that that good feeling inside you. So a, yeah, a, yeah. A, a bit of, a bit of myself and my, my, myself and my son, and no comment necessary. Myself and my son will sit down and watch Bad Santa one and two. That's the kind of humour we have in my <laughs> in my house. <laughs> Um, I'm not too sure you've seen it yet, so so no spoilers here. But I know it's a, and, and I know that you you're aware of it. But uh, the Sex in the City sequel and just like that, the the yes, there is a killer <laughs> twist in the first episode. I haven't seen yeah, it, but I got hit by a spoiler, and I'm almost afraid to watch it now. And I was a huge Sex in the City fan. Yeah, I was a massive, massive Sex and the City fan as well. I thought to myself, I knew it was being released yesterday and just like that. And I thought to myself, you know what? Friday, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch the first two episodes. I don't really think there's going to be too much hype online. I should be fine. God, how silly I was to think that I wouldn't see absolutely everything coming to the surface on Thursday. Uh, it just blew up. I'm, I'm looking at p- people, pictures of people on Instagram crying their eyes out. I've read some spoilers that have upset me to the core because mm. I thought they would. I would be safe until tonight to watch it. But um, yeah. the, 
the most amazing thing to hear about the, you know, the reboot or the sequel or the reimagining, whatever you want to call it, is that people are absolutely loving it. Yeah. There was a lot of questions over whether or not, you know, with the with with Kim Cattrall not being in it, it would it would hit the same way as the original Sex and the City did. But people are loving the route that they're taking. They said, yeah. yes, it is different to Sex and the City and what what you've known from that series, but it's still fantastic and it's still is garnering the attention of its its original viewers, which is great to hear. Something I have heard is that they haven't done what I was afraid they'd do, in that they haven't rewritten it flatly for a politically correct world. It, it takes risks. With 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 it the takes new, risks. you know, I mean, the, yeah, the, the it orig- absolutely does. The original series mightn't stand up now in a more enlightened world. But they're not yeah, afraid yeah, yeah. to to push those buttons, which is which is great. No, the twist in the twisted episode one, people are going, "Oh my god, they can't do that!" Well, they did. Yeah, no, completely, and I agree with you there. And I think the the twists are fantastic. You know, from the spoilers that I I have unfortunately been seeing, but as well, like you said, they're not going back into their old shoes where, like, you know things that have been said in the past in Sex and City would just absolutely get, you know, done now. Like you just, you couldn't even try and attempt to do those same things. But what I love about the series as well is that they're not stepping into the shoes of the Sex and the City movies, which we all know were an absolute and total flop. Well, one, Um, I I liked the first one. The second one was awful. Yeah, yeah, it was just, they were quite narcissistic, they they felt quite flat, they just didn't have the same substance to them as what the series had that people loved it for. Um, so it, it was the fear that, you know, it was going to be a bit kind of PG and a bit boring, that the new series would kind of take on the same lines as the movies, but it doesn't. It's it's surprising everyone, and people are saying that the magic is back, which is, mm. which is a, a lovely thing to hear. Oh, I, I will miss Samantha terribly, she was always my favourite. Yeah, I know. You have to. She was just the infamous Samantha. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, great to great to catch up with you, Denise. What what if I could if I could pin you down, you can only ever again watch one Christmas movie one more time, what would it be? Oh, the holiday. I know you hate to hear this, but the holiday, obviously. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right. We're gonna do that with listeners maybe next week, the week after. What's their one? Denise Curtin of Stellar Magazine, thanks for being with us throughout the year and a happy Christmas and enjoy the movies and the selection boxes and the, the sup of red wine if you do such a thing. Thank you, Denise. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. It's two weeks out, lads. Come on, let us get a bit Christmassy. Yeah, the super value ad. Last year's one was really good. This was a beautiful lad, and there was a little cork lad involved in it as well. Mom, is he still coming this year? Remember that one? Yes. Really, Dad? He's coming. Are you sure? He's coming. Yeah, that one was brilliant. I didn't think they could best it. I really didn't think they could beat it, and they did this year. They did. They beat it. I didn't think they'd beat Connor and the granddad, but the little, the little deer. Ah, I'm not. I'm not worth a shake after watching it. Two weeks out to Christmas Eve, uh, there'll be more turkeys either booked or actually bought this weekend. And they did a, a safe food people. They did a, a survey and they found that. A huge number of people don't know the correct temperature at which the turkey should be cooked. And they're recommending to us all that we buy a turkey 
at 75, or we cook a turkey at 75 degrees. Uh, and they have a load of tips and a load of myths and legends about the turkey. Tim Mulcahy from Chicken Inn joins me from the English market. Uh, Tim, I'd say this is a huge weekend. Is there, First of all, let's get around one particular rumour. Is there or was there a shortage of turkeys this Christmas? It was uh, Saturday morning, PJ. Oh, yeah. Uh, morning from uh, a bustling English market. Good. Um, the atmosphere is building, so uh, people enjoying themselves this morning out shopping. Um, I suppose there was rumours that there was going to be a shortage, but like there, there always is um, at this time of the year, you know. But I mean, we always find that anybody that comes in and takes the time to order a turkey with us, they'll always get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the safest way to go about it, really. It's just to come in and go to your local butcher, put their name on the book, mm. and he'll have it all ready for you when, you, when the time comes. Is the whole bird still as popular as it was, or do people look for crowns or bones and rolls or whatever? Well, the, the whole turkey is still quite popular. Um, the Irish people, unfortunately, um, have a slight aversion to the, to, for me, what would be the tastiest part of the bird, which would be the, the brown meat. I agree that's with you. Where, that's for me where all the flavour is. Um, because it, it's so close to the bone, there's lots of skin, um, and there's so much flavour. But for some reason or other, um, Irish people tend to shy away from the brown meat. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we would get we would get quite a few orders for crowns. Um, mm. But we would do a strong trade in bone and roll. Stuffed or unstuffed turkey. Yeah, I think the the thing with the brown meat, and I'd be I'd be a great fan of the leg or the wing of the turkey. I think what we do is we we cook the the bird for so long to make sure the breast is right that we end up overcooking the legs. Yes, a hundred percent. And in natural fact, I would think that uh, a lot of turkeys in kitchens on Christmas morning are probably overcooked um, for that for that exact reason. Mm. You know, and I think as well, like, like, one of the best things that we ever got was um, a temperature probe. We'd always cook. We do a lot of cooked turkey here as well. So we would do, uh, we, we do a steamed cooked turkey. We do a bone and roll with it without stuffing. We do a steamed turkey on the bone. We do a turkey fillet. Sure. Um, and they're all cooked. So um, while the food safety authority are, are dead right, 75 degrees is a... Uh, cut-off point for a, a fully cooked product. Um, myself at home, we actually did one last Sunday, just as the trial run, to try and convince ourselves we knew what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually brought the turkey to 82 degrees. Right. Uh, so I inserted a probe into the, the breast part. Um, I put it down far enough to get right into the, the turkey, but um, not to have it uh, touching a bone because if it if it hits a bone that'll give it a false reading as yes. well. Yes, because the bone the bones heat up and help to cook. The bones heat up and help to cook. So what I would recommend is go down with the temperature probe as far as you can until you hit a bone and then just take it back a couple of a couple of millimetres away mm. from the bone. Yeah. See the, the the thing about it is as well of course and talking about overcooking the, the limbs, if you overcook turkey breast meat much more so than than chicken. It goes dry in minutes. Yes, 
It go, yeah, and it goes dry, certainly. But the other thing you'll notice is that it comes off. When you try to slice it, it comes off like shavings, yes. more than nothing else. Yeah. So it's up. like a, a pulled turkey, for want of a better word. Yeah. Um, pulled turkey meat. Yeah. But uh, I'd always recommend that um, people would just bring it to about 82, 85 degrees. Sure. Um, I would get a temperature probe. Uh, you can get them with a, with a cord that actually takes the probe out of the oven. Right. So you can have the, you can have the display up next to it, next to the oven, and you can keep an eye on it um, over and back and just making sure you're, you're hitting the right temperature. Brilliant. Also, I suppose the timing of it, PJ, is quite important as well because you want to give it that half an hour, three quarters an hour to rest. So what I would recommend is if people have decided what time they're actually going to sit down and eat, then they, they work from there and they work back. So you're giving yourself uh, 45 minutes for the turkey to rest after it's cooked. Mm. And then, depending on the weight and the size of the turkey, you're giving it... Um, I had a six kilo turkey now last Sunday, and that was roughly about three hours. Mm. So I decided, we decided what time we were going to sit down and eat. Uh, we took off our resting time for the turkey, and then we estimated about three hours cooking time. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that gave us plenty of, plenty of time yeah. then. Yeah. Okay. Tim, listen, have a good season. I'm glad to know that the market is doing well um, because there are a lot of people nervous about coming into town with all this new variant stuff. But people, it's it's busy down there and great to see it. And thanks for being with me on the Opinion Line. Two weeks out, Tim O'Cahy of the Chicken Inn. But his best bit of advice, that, and notice he said that they'll just do portions for people. You know, if you're living on your own or just yourself and a partner, you don't have to go get a whole turkey. Uh, they'll do portions for you, which is great. And they do pre-cooked as well. Um, but order. Go to your butcher. This is, the, this is the time for your butcher. Go to your local butcher and get an order of the turkey rather than getting something frozen. Uh, they're grand-like, but, you know. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call in person or call them now. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850 715 996 on Cork's 96FM. Someone says, who used to be disgusted with the I saw Mama Crispy kissing Santa Claus as a child. I felt Sorry for the dad. Mama was cheating on her husband. You were overthinking it. But thank you. 1850 uh, We have an ad that is getting so much love. So we'll play that before we finish. Angela Newman of Chatty Boo. The adult panto is back. Peter Panna at the Spalpeen Faunach. How did this thing become so successful? A panto absolutely not for smallies in a pub. Hi, Angela. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Um, I suppose uh, we started off 13 years ago now um, with just an idea um, in the Crane Lane and we had a five-night engagement and it's just built and built and built year after year and now we run six nights a week for seven weeks over Christmas. So, yeah, it's just become super popular. It's great. Yeah, and it packs the place out now. I know with restrictions, did, were you t- were you were you dodgy about going ahead this year, or did you say right we're going to do it with the with the crowd allowances? 
Well, do you know what? We had made the decision in September when we were allowed to go ahead with 100% capacity. Um, so we had made the decision. And then, of course, um, it was our actually opening night that we were told we had to reduce to 50%. But we had made a decision in October and because the venue is quite small that we were only going to go ahead with 50% capacity anyway. So luckily we weren't affected by that, you know, okay. um, like like all of our other colleagues and the other theatres, you know. Uh, but we were lucky enough um, that we are, because of the venue and the shape that it's in, you don't really notice that half yeah. the people are missing. <laughs> which, which is, <laughs> you know which is great. And runs yeah. right up on, until January and tickets available at the moment. You went online last year and it worked. It was hilarious. I watched it. My God, it was hilarious. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, we did. We went online. And you know what? We decided, uh, because people just kept emailing us during the lockdown saying, you know, we could really do it a laugh. Are you going to do something? Are you going to do something? And we decided we'd go ahead and we shot that sketch show in between all of the lockdowns and the changing restrictions. It was quite difficult to do. But you know what? We, we ended up with something we were super proud of. Fantastic. Um, uh, you know, and Killian Pettit, our videographer, was phenomenal um, coming up with ideas and editing the whole thing together because we had to do the last few sketches from our homes. Sure, um, I know. You know, in the end, you know, so Here's hoping we never yeah. have to go back to that again. But listen, good luck with the run. Just a very brief time with you. Uh, thanks, Angela. Angela Newman from Chatty Boo Productions, the Spalpin Formic, the Adult Panto, back until January the 15th, uh, running for six weeks, six nights a week. Tickets wherever you usually get your tickets. They'll contact the venue is probably the best thing. If we know for sure, I'll do it before we finish. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With McCarthy Insurance Group. Call them now for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.